The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. Juan is a recovering MarTech consultant turned creator who writes an amazing weekly newsletter about the MarTech industry. And I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech podcast listeners. All right, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. Hello, hello, marketeers. My name is Juan Mendoza from the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. I am your guest host here at the MarTech Podcast. And today we are going to discuss effective marketing automation and maximizing success in B2B marketing. Joining me today is Carl Van Buren. He is the co-founder and CEO of Audience audience with an Y instead of an I in the middle there, which is the industry's first programmatic platform purpose-built for B2B demand marketers. Today, Kyle and I are going to discuss the delicate art of balancing marketing automation. So here's my conversation with Kyle Van Buren, the co-founder and CEO at Audience. Kyle, how are you doing? Doing great, Juan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on the show. So we're going to talk a bit about the balance of the art and the science of marketing automation, but Perhaps we can open up with a question around the benefits of this automated process in which marketers rely heavily on algorithms and automated technology to do a lot of driving their growth and their marketing strategies. So perhaps you can open us up a bit in terms of like, what are those benefits and those opportunities in marketing automation? I'd say since the beginning of marketing automation, it really boils down to three things. If you can achieve all three through marketing automation, all the better. It's either saving time, saving money, or improving performance. And we could go look in history at various examples of marketing automation to really weigh whether or not that's true. Take programmatic, for example. Certainly saved marketers time in deploying campaigns, certainly made cost per impressions go down considerably. And over time has improved performance because the level of data exhaust and insights that comes off of those campaigns. That's a really good way to actually measure whether or not a piece of marketing automation technology is useful to you. If you're answering no to all three of those questions, I'd say kill it. It's definitely not useful to you. It's probably costing you more than it's helping you. If it's yes to one of those questions, but it negatively affects another, probably also a kill it type of equation. But if the answer is yes to one of those and it doesn't negatively affect the others, very likely a helpful tool. 
Yeah, this is the thing. It's one of those things is that the more you invest into automation, the more value you get out of it. I've met tons of marketers that kind of go halfway. They never fully invest or never fully get the budget to actually properly do all the things around B2B marketing, the prospecting, the lead enrichment, the automated triggers, the integration with their sales pipeline and keeping everyone updated throughout all those steps. There's just so much there to do. But I often find the ones who are successful, they just tend to have a an ability to invest quite a bit into those technologies and those platforms and the talent, the skills to make it happen as well. Yeah, it can be a challenge to piece together the right MarTech stack. You're talking about just in your sentence, there are six different tools likely that you've got to piece together (laughs) to make operate in a seamless fashion. So it's certainly a challenge. And yeah, excited to dig in more on various challenges and how marketers might help. Tell me a bit about audience and how that fits into the B2B marketing automation picture. Sure. Audience is the first programmatic media platform that offers advertisers pay-per-lead inventory, right? We do that at scale that's coupled with workflow automation tools that are fueled by artificial intelligence and machine learning to really simplify the planning process, the purchase process, as well as campaign management and campaign optimization, while also improving conversion rates for ultimately the leads that are generated from that campaign. So we work with global agencies as well as small to large enterprise companies, really to help them improve the return on their investment of their demand generation practice. So how does marketing automation help in this regard? Because it's both an integration of, in B2B anyway, there's this integration between what's going on with your pipeline and your deals and all of the sales interactions, the MQLs and the SQLs, and then the prospecting, the outreach and the programmatic advertising, right? And getting your brand out there to drive that sort of top of funnel activity. How do you find that interaction between the top of funnel, the, as you say, the pay per lead, so you're driving all of this awareness and then and driving our folks into the funnel. How do you find the integration between the top of the funnel and then when it eventually hits an MQL or, or it hits a salesperson? And often in B2B, salespeople are like, these leads are crap. They're not valuable to us. Like, how do you find that interplay between the top and the bottom of the funnel? I've never heard that before. These leads are crap, right? <laughs> That's what we want to avoid. And, and really, it's about you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you're starting from a point of unclean data, poor data hygiene, or perhaps you haven't really done the due diligence to truly understand who your ICP is, then you're going to be generating leads that ultimately aren't going to turn into opportunities. So that's priority number one. We've got to be able as marketers to figure out how are we going to do our own due diligence to best understand our consumers and identify exactly who we're going after. Not just at an account level. I'm not talking about hey, we're going to target enterprise versus small business, all the way down to the persona level, right? Or the buying group or buying committee, as you're hearing a lot of people talk about today. Who are the actual buyers inside of those companies and what makes them tick? And you might find that you have multiple different personas that are going to be involved in that buying process. So if you have that level of understanding, you're much more likely to be generating a lead through a demand generation campaign that's going to result, at least have a higher probability, I should say, of resulting in an opportunity. But we shouldn't stop there either. You're talking about the post-lead generation, right? After I have a lead in hand, what then? Connecting that data that you started with, this is a person that works for an enterprise company, they're a VP of engineering in Austin, Texas. That's a drastically different type of individual who says is a VP of finance also involved in the deal, but they're at a small business and they're in Philadelphia. If you can leverage that data to figure out how to nurture people in as personalized as possible of a way, Again, you're only going to be improving the possibility that those leads turn into opportunities. 
on the lead side of things, it's the volume, right? It's the volume that matters. And then, of course, the targeting and the, the better quality, the better volume, everything gets better. Everything's easier for sales. So you're helping them do their job by improving both of those volume and quality. And, you know, we have a lot of fantastic tools these days that does that enrichment. You can sort of segment leads that come in and say, well, are they in our target categories or our companies? Are they the top right role? So we have a lot of that firmographic data now to really automate a lot of that MQL process to say, are they actually qualified for what we're selling? So it is quite interesting. But I do want to touch on another topic here, which is we're talking a lot about automation, right? Automating the ways in which you get leads into your business, automating the way you identify them and enrich them, and then ultimately the communications as well. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So when it comes to the automation versus the human touch, How do you think about that? Because a lot of marketers can very easily abstract away that there's real people behind these numbers and they can actually speak to them at a human level. Of course, sales does that a lot of the time, but how do you see that balance between the technology and the human touch when it comes to talking to customers? Well, there's a lot of talk over there about over-reliance on marketing automation. And at least for marketing, I don't see it that way. I think marketing automation is your friend. The risk is in doing it the wrong way. You spoke earlier about, I think it was before the actual interview, but having kind of a half-baked plan on how you're going to deploy marketing automation. So humans are exceptionally better at coming up with strategy and putting that strategy together, at least right now, current time, than machines are. So the human component of a marketing automation deployment is to be able to identify who's the right customer, who's the right ICP. You can only do that through truly understanding the current customers you have. That means interviews, it means focus groups, it means human connection and touch points. Then having those understandings, what is the appropriate strategy to reach them? Marketing automation can give us more data, yes, but again, it's going to start with what we put into it, right? So it's only going to get better on what our starting point was. 
So I see both of them working in tandem with each other, humans and technology, to really make a truly successful marketing automation program. And there is an aspect of this where personalizing content communications can be very humanizing. The last thing, the thing I hate, and we get this a lot at the MarTech Weekly, is just the cold email that has no idea who we are. And they have no real sense in which what we're after as a business either. And people immediately ignore that. But at a deeper level, there's a total ignorance of the customer and what they need. So like, as you're kind of saying there, that there's a personalization aspect to this, which is how do you meet a customer's needs through personalization or connect them with the right offer or the right service? That can be an incredibly powerful force and very humanizing as well. But it kind of takes that almost the creativity to go, oh, actually, what do our customers need? And how do we design our programs in order to really meet those needs as opposed to just blasting them with content that we think they might need? So it takes a lot of research and understanding of the customers as well. There's no machine out there that's going to put your brand in front of a customer in the right way without you having done your own research and creating, obviously, a brand that's going to connect with the right people. So exactly right. Humans are still, at least in 2024, a very important component to marketing. And there's this element of control as well, because I've dealt with a lot of companies that would do um, recommendations, product recommendations, and they, they would basically offload that onto a machine learning program or an algorithm to surface up those product recommendations and emails and, and other websites and stuff. But product recommendations is just taking the existing data, it's using an algorithm and suggesting things that customers might like. But marketers, that's upsell, cross-sell opportunities, but marketers are actually fully reliant on the technology to tell them based on the data that they're getting from existing customer profiles and what are they seeing. So there's an element of like stepping away and they don't have a lot of control over what customers are seeing. Um, just to use one small example with product recommendations. But yeah, you're right. There's no real technology that will do all of that for you. And marketers, I think fundamentally will always want control over the experience. They want to know, hey, this is the thing we're delivering. And this is the specific needs that we're meeting for our customers in order to drive growth. But I guess we can flip this a little bit and go, well, I'm sure you've come across a ton of horror stories such as I. But what are some of the bigger challenges that you've seen when it comes to implementing this level of sophisticated personalization and automation in marketing tech? I'd say the first challenge is there's just an overwhelming amount of data that can be leveraged to automate, right? Choosing the right path, because you can't do it all. You have to choose an appropriate way to automate your marketing plan. That's step one. Ideally, you have a robust set, uh, at least a very rich set of zero and first party data that can give you really high confidence into the data that you're looking at. That coupled with second party and third party data, ideally from trusted partners or vendors that you're working with, is a good way to navigate that particular challenge. Secondly is, I mean, just not getting the results that you expected, right? We talked about the three things that automation can drive, either saving time, saving money, or improving performance. A lot of automation tools are really expensive. So you're going into day one with an expectation of having a return of X. And when that turns to Y, trying to figure out how to adjust those levers can be tricky because there's so many options again, so many different levers that I can adjust. So marketers that are able to have a consistent drumbeat on measuring what those expectations were from the onset and then doing a little bit of iteration along the way very consistently typically find more success in marketing automation than others. For companies that are starting out in this space, I can imagine there's quite a bit of trial and error, particularly in the paper lead demand gen side of things, purely because you just want warming up audiences and working through who's ideal and you know the, all of the placements and things like that. But what do you see when that early stage of implementing and using the audience technology, 
what do you usually see? Is it in terms of like a three month ramp up? What kind of mistakes do people tend to make when they're just starting out? Yeah, we've really focused on making that process of building an audience super simple. So on our platform, there's two different options. If I've already done that work previously, right, I've done all the analysis outside of the platform, I can simply upload a target account list and that's what will be used for the campaign. The second option and what a lot of our advertisers leverage the audience platform for is to build that audience in real time. So they can go in there and identify the appropriate firmographic targeting parameters, demographic targeting parameters, intent targeting parameters, and in real time get an estimate of the total size of that addressable audience. And the way that that works is we actually have our own data management platform that sits behind that audience builder. It can really help a marketer understand what's the total scalability of a demand generation campaign. And I mentioned this because that is one of the biggest mistakes that people outside of audience make when they're running a Legion campaign. They're either way too broad, right? We're targeting 60,000 companies when we've got a budget of 10 grand. We could certainly get more targeted or they're way too targeted. We've given all these parameters over to an agency. We expect that every single account is going to fit within these parameters. But in reality, there's only 60 companies in the whole world that fit those parameters. So we make that really evident to the advertiser, literally right there on the screen. They can see exactly how many companies exist with those given targeting parameters. And we're about to take some next steps, by the way, to make that even easier, where rather than using my own judgment to select the appropriate targeting parameters and identify my ICP, perhaps there's ways to take content or a URL and add that into the platform and the platform itself tells me exactly who is most likely to be engaged with this content. It's very interesting because there's two layers to that. Like, who do you want to actually target? And then, as you say, content relevancy. You just can't spray and pray with ads. You got to give people something in B2B anyway. You're going to give something that valuable content, right? Just to start that conversation relationship and to drive those leads. So kind of like that idea of, okay, you're not trying to target everyone. Who are you specifically looking to target? And then over time, that becomes refined as you start to see leads and as the sales team starts complaining, (laughs) so to speak, or they don't, they're singing your praises. They're saying, you know, these leads are amazing. So once you get that feedback and intelligence and you're continuing to optimize, which is the beauty of what you're doing with audiences that you're using data to continue to optimize who you're targeting to drive yeah, better cost per lead and a better outcome and growth opportunity. So that's fantastic. And it's a great way of thinking about using demand generation technologies. So to cap us off for our first episode, if you were going to write a book and the book is around all this topic that we've been talking about, what would be the title of the book? And what do you think it would be about? One, what a curveball, man. (laughs) I'd say it would be titled Efficiency is a Marketer's Best Friend. That's basically the job. We've got to figure out how to get as efficient as possible. The equation itself is pretty simple, by the way. Time efficiencies or labor efficiencies, it's hard cost efficiencies, and it's performance. Those are the three factors. So it would be about an exploration of all three of those factors and various ideas and recommendations on how to improve all three. Efficiency as a marketer's best friend. I like it. For a lot of marketers, I think that efficiency is a distant friend. So I like the concept. I mean, yeah, if you want to drive growth in your business, getting efficient with how you're driving demand is definitely one of those things that marketers should be paying attention to. And that brings us to the conclusion of our first episode here on the MarTech podcast with Carl Van Buren. He's a co-founder and CEO of Audience. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Stick around for part two of our interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Carl and I are going to discuss the qualitative and quantitative wins in B2B marketing. So if you can't wait to our next episode, you'd like to learn more about Carl, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can visit his company's website at audience.com. Carl, thanks for joining us. Juan, much appreciated. Talk soon. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. If you'd like to get in touch with Juan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Juan Mendoza, but it's spelled crazy pants. It's J-U-4-N-M-E-N-D-0-Z-4. Or it's a little easier to just visit his company's website, which is themartechweekly.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletters and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.